My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Patriots. And it is Monday, February 26th in the year 2024. A good morning it is. Hope you're enjoying your coffee because I know I am. We have some good news this morning, I guess. If you're like me, you hear that Lord Rothschild just passed away. Hmm, it's too bad. One of those things you're like, oh, <laughs> sorry, but this is literally like Ding, ding, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. Yes, Lord Jacob Rothschilds has died at the age of 87. I didn't realize lizards lived that long. But apparently they do. So we can start our Monday out with that. And uh, 
my goodness, what a family. It's literally like, I think it's a saint incarnate, if I'm not mistaken, right there. But that kicks us off for an interesting Monday ahead, I'm sure. And that's, uh, it's interesting how that's covered, but so many things, so many other things aren't. But of course, that says they're, this is their demigod that they're now seeing pass away. They're all panicked to wonder what's going to happen. So count on child sex, child sex sacrifices increasing because there's no other way they're going to get power in their mind, which is a horrific thought. Patriots, before we get going, good night's sleep. Can't stress it enough. Super important. We all know we need it. And no matter how much time we have to sleep, we need to be good quality sleep. MyPillow.com. Just, there's just one word in that whole comment that sums it all up. MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com has all the things you're going to need for a great night's sleep. That includes the Giza cotton sheets. That includes your MyPillow 2.0, a down comforter, a duvet, and even a MyPillow mattress. I literally slept on all of that last night. And it was a fantastic night's sleep. So I would encourage you to investigate the fantastic savings and the wonderful products over there at MyPillow. And then you can even get up, take a shower, and, and dry yourself off with an incredibly comfortable, nice, and feeling MyPillow towel and towel sets. They're all there. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Take advantage of the great savings today. Use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. It's the best around. And we know the quality of this company. It's It has been attacked thousands of times by the deep state. And still, Mike continues to not only keep his great quality line going, but continues to support Patriot Actions. It's huge. So, again, mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. I'll have to get him on again. He's, he's a good voice. So, yes, so like I said, we start this morning out with the knowledge that Lord Jacob Rothschilds has died at the age of 87. And I don't know that there's much more one needs to say about that other than so long, fare thee well, best of luck to you, and uh, hope you brought some marshmallows and a lot of water because you're going to need it where you're going. And there it is. So what can I say? I guess you've heard that the truck, the boycott leader for the for that uh, truck convoy that was supposed to be boycotting New York City. We touched on this a little bit last week, but you notice how that just went away. And I just I keep noticing how these convoy things keep disappearing here, which is strangely odd. Of why Americans can't seem to get a momentum going of some sort of major event like this. So if you remember, the convoys were the truckers were going to stop delivering to New York City in protest to what they were doing to President Trump. And then all of a sudden, that just kind of vaporized and vanished. And it's again, I get highly suspect of who's driving what. So the headline, this actually was last week, but the headline is nonetheless relative. No one's got to me. I ain't scared of shite, he says. New York trucker boycott leader, um, Chicago Ray is his name, steps down. So Chicago Ray, the truck trucker who ignited the righteous anger of his fellow truckers and of millions of other Americans, has stepped down from his boycott leadership. Does that mean the end of trucker boycott in New York City? I, didn't, I wasn't angry at him. I don't know where that headline came from. The trucker who ignited righteous anger of his fellow truckers. Unless they're talking about the fact that we're all irritated at just the nonsense. They were protesting the 
Chicagori was angry about the astounding $350 million fine the uh, New York judge Engeron levied against former President Trump in the recent fraud case. But what Chicago Ray, um, the truckers, and so many Americans were really angry about was our corrupt judicial system and the evil overlords who created it. All true, but here's what I find odd, and it continues to happen. We had another trucker convoy that was going to start and match the Canadian convoy. That fizzled and dropped. We've seen the truckers work their tail off around the clock when we had COVID con at peak and when everyone was being told to mask up, buckle down. And of course, they were redoing the supply chain system. And as they re- rebuilt the supply chain system now to be able to be run by artificial intelligence and giving unions more power so they could be more Democrat. We saw California try to slaughter truckers during that time by telling them they couldn't drive a truck that was older than 2013, I believe it was. And then, um, told them that any new trucks they had to have had to be electric and they didn't even have an electric truck built in the system. We have seen this happen over and over, the assault on truckers. So where I get highly suspect is why is it every time truckers go to organize, it just vaporizes? And that starts to lead you to the questions of what impact does the union have right now and what impact does the FBI plants have within their ranks have? That's where the optic really falls on this guy called Chicago Ray. One of the fastest ways to disrupt a movement, by the way, and this is just known tactics, is you get somebody to start something and you get a momentum going and then you change, have a a toss-up of leadership so that the public loses confidence. And the movement itself loses confidence because people look towards leading them somewhere. And once you pull that person out of play, then honestly, you you deadline the entire movement. And that's effectively what I think may have happened here. Question is... And it's a real question. Did somebody get to him or was he part of the operation to to disrupt? And we, what we do know is that the FBI is in everything in these in these movements and it starts to show. He's going after, they were going to cut New York City off of essentials and they were going to stop delivering to New York City. And what gets me a little uneasy about this is that our right to protest suddenly becomes a national security threat, which means they get targeted as domestic terrorists that fanning the flames goes to mainstream media, which starts talking about this as a horrific action of limiting New York City's right to have food and supplies, which really is, is none of that's true. I mean, New York City isn't going to be limited. They just won't get it from the people they're not used to. And all of that because New York City is a, as a big city is one sinking pit. And, it, and it, the Americans have a right not to deliver, not to buy, not to visit New York City. But the power and leverage of politics and the interest to be, obviously Wall Street in particular doesn't want that to happen. So you can start to paint the dots of why these movements don't go anywhere. When we know very well, if you were to cripple New York City or you cripple Portland, Oregon with supplies or you cripple Seattle, San Francisco, any of these circles of, of power, where the pedophile elites have anchored themselves surrounded by human shields of illegal aliens and criminals that they've been flocking in. You know very well if they cut the supplies off there that it would create a a national crisis which would draw attention to everything and it would ultimately force action in one way or another. They don't want this to happen. So you have to keep asking yourself that question, like who's involved here to protect the kings and the power brokers, right? And that's... 
one of the big suspect issues because we just can't seem to get things off the ground. However, that said, the one thing they can't control is consumer behavior, which is excellent. And this is showing in the Ford line of their Lightning shipments. I don't know if you've been tracking this, but the F-150 Lightning, which is a ridiculous vehicle, it's an electric F-150. Well, surprise, surprise, the sales have fallen so much that Ford now has halted their 2024 production of the F-150 Lightning. <laughs> so I, I tell you, I shouldn't laugh, but if somebody literally bought one of those right now, I just want you to let that one sink in. Cars, I, I drive a Jeep, obviously. One of the great things about a Jeep is it's been around in one form or another since the six, or since the World War II, the Willys Jeep. And over the years, the Jeep keeps being remade in different forms, but you, there's never a problem with finding parts, ever. And that's the nice thing about a Jeep. And there's so many modifications you can make to it. There's so many ways that you can work a Jeep. There's just Jeep, it's like a whole line of self-sufficient sustainment built in. If you just bought an F-150 Ford Lightning electric Edsel, that's really what we're saying here. This thing is, it's dying on the vine. And you now own something that, of course, they'll tell you, don't worry, we're going to support it. But they're not going to support it. You're going to be stuck with a vehicle that's the, the maintenance cost is going to get increasingly high. People's knowledge to maintain it is going to diminish. And you're kind of stuck with something that just isn't going to go anywhere. And what you are going to get stuck with as well, though, is that wonderful payment. Because I think they sold uh, that for like $60,000 or $70,000. So that payment is going to be somewhere around 1200 a month. Oh, that's got to hurt. Seriously, it's got to hurt. Yeah, it's just almost somebody in chat said that we have electric Jeeps now. I know. I, I, I'm i not going there. I'm sad Sad for Jeep. They're going to lose their shirt on it. It's all good. No one does an electric Jeep. What a ridiculous concept. Two-thirds of young people would like to live under an explicitly socialist economic system. This is true. This is, a, this is actually true. This is unbelievable. This is from an article in uh, Zero Hedge this morning. You are ready are you ready for neo-collectivism, is what they're calling it. Even worse, continuing from that previous statement, even worse, those people have no idea what socialism is. Not long ago, this goes on to say, we looked at the Future Laboratories report on travel that predicted carbon passports and limits on personal CO2 emissions as a way to mitigate climate change. This is from the article. The back of the napkin mask from our look at the report, was that living standards in G20 nations would have to drop by 75% in order to bring personal carbon footprints in line with expert recommendations. The typical North American pleb emits somewhat somewhere between 12 and 13 tons of CO2 per year. You horrible person. To meet these net zero directives set set by unelected globalist technocrat terrorists, we need to ratchet that down to 2.3 tons per year. In other words, the same cult of you are the problem. This is, this is the whole cult. The death cult is you are the problem. You are a parasite in the earth. You don't belong here, and you need to self-destruct and, 
and remove yourself from the face of the earth. Do it by your own hand. That way they don't have to worry about it. And then you can they can claim innocence because you did it by your free will. In the course of breaking that down, it came down, this is continuing the article, I came across another report also authored by Future Labs, who is who whom I described then as coming across as a WEF wannabe. That was on the coming macro trend of neo-collectivism. At the time, I plunked down 265,000 to buy, oh, I'm sorry, 265 pounds to buy the report. It's about $350, promising to write it up in a upcoming piece. Here it is. There are five core themes running through the 40-page high-gloss PDF, which they charged 250, 65 pounds for. Climate disaster is imminent. That's John Kerry right there. Democrat democracy and capitalism is their current in their current state won't or aren't working. That's the brainwashing at the universities that are all social communists. Individualism is on the way out. That's right. Collectivism is the only way. You must share everything. You can own nothing, rent everything, and you will be happy because an illegal immigrant will be sleeping in your yard or in your and taking your car to the grocery store. And you won't get a choice. Web3 is a driving force of decentralization, but it is being co-opted by capitalism. Oh, good golly. Oh, this is so sad to hear. Young people increasingly see collectivism, if not outright socialism, as the solution. Like everything, the Future Laboratory admits there's a lot of word salad. And, quote, a new model has the potential to reroute power from organizations. Web3, in this digital laboratory, decentralization reigns, citizens become squads, profits are dispersed, and community is king. There we go. It represents a fresh start, an alternate economy that allows us to imagine how systems rooted in consensus, equity, and care can be reproduced in offline societies too. For example, could cities, wealth, and even entire organizations be shaped by solidarity? <laughs> I'm sure it works great. I'm laughing at so much of this nonsense that people actually believe it. And there is such naivety in, in the way people think and do. If, you, if you're paying attention to some of this issues. I mean, these are all the, the problem of collectivism. So I mean, I guess I would go back to some fundamental statistics, which I've been pounding on lately. Would someone please tell me how neo-collectivism solves the problem of 60% of our pastors being, having a sex addiction? I mean, that, that, that would be a good start, which we know that that is, that is not the point. It's always to divert away from the realities of things. I came across an app yesterday. It's called Maven. It's very interesting. And why this is interesting is that social media, the principle of social media is to bring people together as one community. That was the idea of the internet. We were able, we were going to be able to start cross-communicating with one another. The impact of, the, of that has caused great disruption in the global grid of control. And the elites like the now dead Rothschild um, are have been very concerned about the fact that people as they start to share knowledge now become more increasingly aware of what the truth is and even though the truth has been very fractured and distributed across many domains 
the more people that communicate, the more pieces you put together, the greater the picture becomes and the more clear the picture becomes. And suddenly it becomes evident that we're all in a slave state, that we're all being played. We're still being played and we're going to be played for quite a while until the true illusion of everything gets pulled off of people's eyes. Um, And we'll come back to that in a second. But with that, there has to be a way to move into this web 3.0 model where you want to start with this collectivism idea without having the threat of having people coming together. Part of social media's impact has been to use the likes and the thumbs up and these various things, which is designed after the casino mentality of dings and, and rewards so that people will be compelled to participate. So if you post something, if you don't get any likes and you do this after a number of times, then the propensity is that people will drift away from social media. This is where bots come in because what they can do is you can post something and then the bots will come in and jack your likes up and your distribution up and people feel as though they're being validated. Validation is probably one of the biggest weaknesses and wounds that we have in this culture because people are not following their true authentic self as God designed. So we end up with a bunch of broken people out here on the internet that are always looking to be validated by their posts, building these communities, which as many people will tell you in this day, they are, so it's like, I think it's like seven out of 10 friends that this, this current generation has they've never met and they've only met them online through their social media. Why that's important is that they don't even know if they're real. And we know the sophistication of the bots as we moved along and the AIs that are now able to mimic whole accounts and whole people, which, by the way, was very active even back in 2012. So what is Maven? And I just want to read this to you. Maven is a new kind of social network, a, a serendipity network is what they call it, that doesn't work like a usual popularity contest style of network you're used to by experiencing everything, every that you're experiencing everywhere else. We don't have likes and therefore don't count them and you don't follow other people's accounts. Instead, you follow interests and your feed is a reflection of the interests you follow. This is taking the human out of the loop and this is Web 3.0 and it's very important to understand this concept. Instead of being attracted to people, ideas, thought, now you're going to be attracted to the, the ideas of interests And so your feed will be filled with the writings and the stories that are related to your interests, not a relationship. It's things, it's ideas and interests, no personal interests. So it's the individual now maintaining the status of the individual that as you work into something like this, who runs the, quote, interests of your life? Of course, it's AI. So AI, they're walking people into this new level of of manipulation where if they, this idea of Maven, and this is a new app and it's kind of the cutting edge look at where web 3.0 is taking people that they'll no longer be interacting with one another, that they'll be interacting with their interests, which means topics that are now run and created and fabricated entirely by AI. You're walking people into the matrix in a huge way. This, this, in this new approach. And that's the whole essence of web 3.0, but it's being sold. Like don't get so emotional. You're not going to have to worry about things. You're going to feel better because we can get you to actually go in here, learn things, and expand 
the way you feel, the way you say. So continue. A Maven AI, see here it says it in the second paragraph. Maven AI extracts the relevant interests from every post and shows them to you, um, shows them to you when you see content in your feed. That way, because posts touch on multiple interests, you continually experience the opportunity to expand your horizons by following new interests, increasing your chance of serendipity through meeting people with complementary interests. It's just a it's a for, form of AI managed dating to make sure that the radicals get ch- channeled off to the side or and muted and that people are pacified and your reward is going to be is I find my interests and eager to meet people I'll find somebody with common interests and I'll be just like them which means that you'll be just like the state wants you to be in a good little drone as we have the group of people out here believing that neo-collectivism is going to be the answer in other words own nothing rent everything think nothing be dumb and you shall be happy. And we will assure you of that success. la di da di da That's literally the world that we're in. In one of the more horrific events over the weekend, um, a U.S. Air Force serviceman, and I, I have a lot of, sus- I'm really sus on this whole thing, suspect of this whole thing. U.S. Air Force serviceman sets himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington. And he screamed out, apparently, I will no longer be complicit in genocide. Uh, with a follow-on there, apparently after he's smoldering on the ground, we have a uh, a good police officer and peacekeeper that's now drawn his gun in the follow-on scenes because, of course, when you're burning and smoldering on the ground, you're a threat. Oh, my goodness. There is so much, there is so much sickness in our society. Here, here's the deal, that, and one of the reasons I'm super suspect, suspect of this, this is almost like you know sitting in jeopardy and, and it's like, Looking at a picture like this, and you're going to answer, um, Alex. I'll take, um, I'll take artificial intelligence, the the death shot, and five uh, G for five thousand, please. I mean, this is literally an either MK Ultra likely, or it's someone who's been completely damaged by the. In the best of stories, it's completely damaged by the by the psyop that has happened over this last couple of years. More likely. It's an out, a byproduct of what's been injected into him and the manipulation they're doing. My personal opinion, and I can't prove this, obviously, but I'm giving you, that's why I prefaced it with an opinion. But I do believe that what you're seeing here are demonstration, concept demonstrations, demonstration of concept. And what I believe that they're doing is they're test running on key target and key individuals, their ability to manipulate people through the 5G network. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And if this was one of these instances where they're able to run their field test now to somebody who's been injected, they have the frequency lock on them with the with the nanoparticles, the hydrogel, and all of this inner programming that's within them that people took within their, their body, and now seeing how far they can take it and to what extreme they can run somebody, including um, dousing themselves with gasoline if that's what he did and lighting himself on fire. This program of the shot is ultimately MK Ultra, and we're, we've talked about this in a, in a couple different ways, and I think it's important to highlight the, the suspicion I have of this particular reporting, that this soldier who likely took the shots has taken other shots guaranteed because he's in the military, and then the ability for them to use the 5G towers use the frequency modulation that they can to stimulate effects in the brain chemistry and cause an outcome. 
that is designed. I mean, everybody that has studied this vax and has talked about things, including Todd Callender, has worked with this concept that there is an ability now to create reaction. That is the whole end game of the transhumanist model is that you become one with the computer system and you no longer have free will that is run by them. So my guess here, he's either mentally unstable, that's not impossible, especially in this day with all the stress mentally on people, but on a darker side, I'm, again, suspicious, suspicious that we just witnessed a very horrible human test to see how effective their 5G network is and their control with these vaxes. Um, can't prove that, but i that's just my gut telling me that something isn't right about this. And it's, it, we know, I just think that this is, we're going to see a lot more of this insanity. Now, the good news is it apparently isn't system wide. And because of that, there, we're seeing these limited cases pop up. But nonetheless, it's worth noting that that potential and capability is well within their reach of what they are able to do. And I, and I think that that needs to be deeply considered. Interesting news from California. I want to play this piece. This is five minutes, 47 seconds, and it definitely shows a, an awakening in California. There are some reports that are starting to filter through, and this is coming through fringe Patriot networks. So I cannot confirm this, but I think we've all suspected this. But the real secret that they're hiding in California from the 2020 election is that Trump, President Trump actually won California. I think we can find a pretty strong indication that the voting block was there to bring him um, to power. I think that it's pretty realistic that um, there's a California, remember in my day when I grew up, California was a conservative pro-business state. It was hijacked by the digital communists and in so doing, it, the hotbeds of extreme liberalism, which were embedded into the Bay Area, which is where no accident, which is where the tech industry settled in. And that takes us back to PLA, that takes us back to all sorts of uh, the Black uh, Black Panthers, the Weather Underground, all of these things. Weather Underground was more in Chicago, but they still operated out in California. The uh, SBLA, all of these sort of radicalized elements that were just, um, most of them created by the CIA in order to destabilize the government. Most of those, so many of those were in California, Berkeley, San Francisco, and some in LA. So when we start to see that those are some of the same areas that have become hotbeds of extreme liberalism, also the home of Stanford Research Institute, which has been known to be have close partnerships with the CIA's MKUltra program, we start to see the kind of a picture here that's um, they have a lot at stake to keep California out of the control of the people. So I, as I say, so it's starting to surface on some of the fringe patriot networks is reporting that the big secret that their California is working overtime to hide is that President Trump won the 2020 elections. And to look at the magnitude of votes and the efforts that they're going to to try to rig the votes, it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, I think President Trump probably won in real terms 48 of the 50 states, which is very possible. But I just want you to hear this. This is from a sheriff, Chad Blanco. Um, who has now stood up to Gavin Newsom, a really good position here, and, I, and he, he nails the, the truth with this piece. Take a listen. Good morning. Chad Bianco, Riverside County Sheriff. We are here today because California public safety is in crisis. 
crime is steadily on the rise, and our public safety policy is one of the worst, if not the worst, in the nation. I want to make this clear, and I want there to be no mistake in what I am saying. This is not by accident. The driving force in our crisis is a radical, progressive agenda fraudulently called criminal justice reform. This is nothing short of a sick and twisted social experiment where law enforcement is the bad guy and criminals are somehow victims of society and not responsible for their actions, their crimes, or accountable to their countless victims. This agenda began with the passage of AB 109, the so-called Public Safety Realignment Act. State government failed to take responsibility for prison overcrowding or their failure to build more prisons and instead forced county jails to house state inmates while simultaneously releasing thousands of felons early. This has pushed our county jails to a near collapse and caused the early release of countless criminals. Thousands upon thousands of criminals are being released from custody early, crime is increasing, and our governor is closing prisons instead of building new ones. It defies common sense. In 2014, a complete fraud was perpetrated in California. The so-called Safe Streets and Safe Schools Initiative, Prop 47, changed many felonies to misdemeanors, basically legalized drug use, and increased the amount of petty theft to nearly $1,000. In 2016, another lie was perpetrated on voters with the naming and wording of Prop 57, tricking voters into approving the release of thousands of violent criminals onto our streets and neighborhoods. This is why we are here. Everyone knows Prop 47 and 57 are disasters, and yet Governor Newsom adamantly touts it as a success, and lawmakers continue to refuse to fix their, their mistake and the problems that they have created. When once crimes are no longer crimes, it allows Governor Newsom and Attorney General Bonta to cite completely flawed data points to support their failures. Californians are now suffering the consequences of a failed social agenda. We are now at our breaking point and Californians have had enough. The lie of Prop 47 has been exposed and the progressive love affair with criminals at the expense of victims has infuriated law-abiding Californians. While we suffer every day with rampant theft causing our small businesses to close and our large box stores to move out of state, our supermajority of lawmakers sit here in their guarded tower oblivious to what is going on in their communities, experiencing drastic increases in all crimes, particularly violent crimes. Over the past five years, law enforcement has been unable to get our progressive left majority to even consider any new law or modification to an existing law that would increase punishment or send criminals to prison. Reality has gone completely upside down to the point our governor, our lawmakers, and our attorney general refuse to prosecute criminals, to include those criminals committing crimes with guns, and instead have dedicated their efforts to disarm and remove constitutional protections of self-defense from law-abiding Californians. We are in a very important election year, and the political silliness is surfacing all around us. The same supermajority who refused any sort of tough-on-crime laws for the past several years are up for re-election. They are now claiming they are going to address our public safety crisis with new laws cracking down on crime. The problem is every one of their bills are disingenuous and hollow. 
For instance, one bill claims to address theft by lowering the felony limit back to $400. Upon examination of the bill, you'll find that it gives these career criminals three more chances to steal and be convicted before they are sentenced to prison. That is three, a minimum of three more victims. We cannot turn on the news, read the newspaper, go to the grocery store, or open our businesses without being slapped in the face of reality that criminals have been emboldened by a lenient system that holds no consequence for criminal behavior. Instead of addressing the obvious, tone-deaf Governor Newsom attacks a Target employee for not stopping a criminal from fleeing the store instead of taking an honest look at the failed social experiment that he himself leads that allowed that theft to occur. This is a great statement, and it's always encouraging to hear when sheriffs step up with the authorities that they have to start challenging authority in a corrupt authority in the state. A couple of highlights I just want to hit on that. Number one, why I enjoyed that piece and wanted you to hear it was that it really outlines the deep, woke insanity that they're trying to force in, which is to create a situation in this nation that is completely chaotic, and then at the end of the day, they have to call for foreign help on our domestic soil to help quell the riots and the instability. That's all part of those relationships that were built under a 2030 agenda where our police departments have had partnerships with the United Nations, and that's all over the country. So their vision is ultimately to relinquish control of the country, which we're, this is part of the WHO agenda that they're trying to roll out in, in May it's part of the medical health emergency authorities that they've given themselves, and it's all part of creating infrastructure breakdown in the nation from a law enforcement and security point of view that then they can reach out and say, this is beyond our help. We need our help. They're already infiltrating 37,000-plus Chinese. My guess is those are pre-positioning for troops to be rolled out under blue helmets and to be able to use the illegals that they want to hire into our law enforcement as well, which will all be compliant to tyrannical authority. What they fear the most is a person rooted in their beliefs of faith. Remember, we are a Christian nation. They hate Christianity because we have no authority and no belief in them. And we truly do see ourselves in, a, in the sense of that as our authority comes from God, not our authority comes from them. Super important and super fearful for them because they understand very well that with that authority that we are not willing to comply to anything illegal and that they won't do. That's the big issue. And with this, they, with all the efforts that they've done to try to break society, which COVID-Con was the peak of this. This was the peak of, of psychological warfare to try to destroy the nation because so many things had been revealed leading up to this. COVID-Con is, is a major operation to erase history, to break the will of the people, to break the backs of the law enforcement, to put people into a state of constant fear and panic, to backfill this nation with the people that they've killed or they've murdered, keyword, murdered and or disabled by this drug, the increased flow of fentanyl to murder our youth and those taking it and to create a society that is so fractured and broken that in its in the state of chaos, people are dis disconnected, can't stand up together, the military, is then, the military then has limited capability because it's broken by its own leadership, which most of it has been bought off or has been so spineless it won't stand up for the right thing. And then you start the internal chaos. And it's in that moment that then with this internal chaos and insanity, then you're able to say, we, 
we need to go to martial law. And then they pivot and they go to the international groups and they say, we need your help. And then you open the door for foreign invasion of the United States legally by nature of calling for UN support to quell riots. This is all in place. This is not some conspiracy concept. All these rules, regulations, and steps have already been made. So what does that lead us to? And it's not fear. I'm just going to be very clear about this. It's listening to sheriffs like this that are, list, are taking a stand. It's getting involved in the local community. And we talk about this all the time. The importance of local action, the importance of, mobiliz of local mobilization can never be overstated. The anchor that we are going to have here is our counties and the authorities our counties have been, has been given. And so as we kind of roll into this next phase period, which is going to get crazy, and there's no other way to put it, they are in a scorched earth policy now. They are this border, as you heard Saturday night with Colonel Pete Chambers' interview, the border is wide open. But what do we see in the counter move? We see the I mean, Pete's, a, he's an American hero. I, mean, I don't know what else to say it. The guy is, has started with, as he said, I started as a man, a dog, and as a horse that's now led to mobilizing the, the all volunteer Texas cavalry. And they're literally horse mounted and ATV mounted and motorcycle mounted field response to this border incursion. And they're doing it legally on two levels. One, they're built partnerships with their local law enforcement in the Republic of Texas. And the other issue is that they are working with private landowners, getting their guys certified as a level four, which means security that has full arrest authority. And they're able to now partner with local landowners in the privacy, under the privacy of land and starting to protect Texas borders. This is a huge development. It's super well thought out and super well engineered. But don't think that doesn't come with risk. It's true. The risk is truly high risk work. And I will guarantee you, without going into detail, and do keep Pete in your prayers, he's on the cartel's radar in a huge way. They hate him. And that's why we have to love him more, to be honest with you. But this is that we are needing to see more of this local action. When you hear a sheriff like this, it's going to stand up. I mean, I've said this before, and it's no small thing. In Oregon, we have 36 counties. 30 out of the out of the 36 counties three of them are the sheriffs are sold out woke re retards in our state and they are in alignment with the they're weak and they're pathetic and they're in the alignment with the same counties that run the state we have 33 of them out of the 36 that are purple so they've waffled between which sides but we have 30 counties in our state that have made a commitment that they will not enforce a rule from our state legislature that is not constitutional well, that is a massive position that they've taken that the state legislature is highly frustrated with because they can't get bills moving and get the traction going because the sheriffs have said no. That's the type of insurgency that never requires the, the need to go to the Second Amendment, but requires the consistency and persistency of enforcing the Constitution. And that is affected by the local communities. COVID-Con was a, a disastrous um, I wouldn't say disastrous. I was going to say it this way, but I think it's better to say it this way. COVID-Con was a deeply revealing look at the brokenness of our society. We saw how weak people have become in our nation. And we have seen at the same time how strong certain patriot groups and, and American loving groups have become as a result of it. The, the, the weak and the haters are all kind of lumped into one camp. And those are the ones that complied. The ones that are on the other side of this, those ones that are, are sitting in a place where 
We are now looking at where does our country go? What are we doing? What are we up to? Those sorts of issues are what has come out of COVID-Con. And it's important to appreciate just how effective um, that group is and how powerful that is in the overall picture of things. And that's where we have to look at the positive and the gains from COVID-Con, not the losses of COVID-Con that we, have, we, we typically look at. Now, I played this piece yesterday morning. I'm going to play it again. I'm going to caution you. There are some swear words in this. Is, so there is a language warning on this going up front, and this piece is about two minutes, okay? But I think it's an important perspective to grab. The compliant have no idea what the non-compliant went through. They can't have any appreciation for what we went through because they complied, because they went along with everything that they were told to do by the television and the politicians. And I do wonder if they've stopped to think about what it was like for us having to watch what seemed like the whole world literally go mad, completely bonkers, doing crazy things with their lives and their bodies that eventually they would regret. And all the while, the non-compliant were doing our very best to try and warn people of things that we knew that they would later want to be warned of. And all we got was hate. All we got was stick. They accused us of the worst possible things. They called us selfish. They called us dangerous. They called us granny killers. Unbelievable granny killers. The cheek of it. But even though we got so much crap, so much hate, so much stick, we didn't kneel, did we? We didn't bend. We didn't compromise. We said, fuck you, you're wrong. And one day you will see that you're wrong and you will regret the way that you have treated us and the way that you have behaved. And we're finally at that point, aren't we? But there's no putting my hands up, sorry, I got it wrong, you were right. There's none of that because people are so shocked by the crap that what, of everything that happened. People are so traumatized by what happened. They feel so much shame and guilt and embarrassment that no one wants to admit the truth. And because no one wants to admit the truth, there's not going to be any resolution. There's not going to be any accountability. If the people most affected don't want justice, don't want accountability, then the, the nutters on the sidelines, like myself, we can fight for them as much as we like. But if they're not willing to fight for themselves, then hey, what can we do? But it's just fascinating, isn't it? It's fascinating what we were put through. What we were put through. And, and the compliant have no idea. They will never understand. They will never appreciate what we were put through and how it has changed us. How it's changed us forever. But we understand, don't we? We understand. And because we all went, we went through a similar experience, we have a connection now, don't we, the non-compliant? We have this, this thing that unites us. You know what I'm talking about. It's a power, it, this is a powerful statement, and I think if we take it to the next level of here, which is truly the unity in the body of Christ, we start to realize in what his message is on point, which is we've gone through a trial, a threshing, so to speak, that has really given a lot of strength, and that's what I was leading to, to the movement of people that did not comply. And that's the leadership that this nation and this world needs to pull this out of the pits that they're trying to piss, uh, spin us into. And this is really important to grasp. So 
when we look at this news, which gets, gets riddled with increasingly dark images, whether it's increasing levels of, of murder, of youth, of child sex traffickers that are surfacing into the news, we start to see this unwanted, unlimited crime in California and other places where stores are actually having to shut down, whether it's box stores or small local stores, because the crime doesn't stop. All of these things are there and is part of the strategy of the compliant. And it's, the, it's what's keeping the compliant in control. But where we have to step into is this other place to say, yes, but we've already been through your game. And as we start to realize how much is there in that statement, that is ultimately what in, in the spiritual sense what we're referring to is the remnant. And that remnant has the greatest strength in all of this because we've already proven our walk to endure what they've thrown at us and we've never bowed. And that part is so important. And so it doesn't mean that we sit on a pulpit and look across people and go, we're better than you, because obviously that is not what this is about. But it does mean that we sit in a place where we can look across and go, okay, we have a lot of lessons and wisdom we've gained, and then we can pull and steer this nation back by the activism and the things that we know that we can do no matter what they threaten. The one thing to know is that the those in power are deeply vulnerable right now. And they know they're vulnerable because the will of the people is not in the lockstep of what they wanted. And the people aren't broken enough yet for them to be comfortable. And yet their agenda is running out of time. The longer that this percolates, the longer that truth sits out there in the public square, the longer that people are exposed to it, the more that we start to see the, the need for them to panic and to move to a different, new to a different level. I want to play this short piece here. And this is Scott Pressler. He is literally just on the street in California talking to a bunch of woke folks. And this is kind of the power of this whole moment that we're in. Why are illegal immigrants more important than Americans? I'd like to hear an answer. Why are people illegal? Why are illegal immigrants more important than homeless people sleeping on the streets? Why do we in the great one of the biggest economies here in California take care of illegal immigrants, but our people are sleeping on the streets? I'd like to hear an answer to that. Why? Nobody can ever answer It'll that be on question. You Why don't people put American citizens first, but illegal immigrants get everything? And I hope you post this. I want this to go viral because I give a damn and I care about my community. My dad is a retired Navy captain. He served our country honorably. My grandfather is a retired Navy captain and I'm doing my part to help our country. The Democrat party does not put our people first. They put sanctuary cities first. They put illegal aliens first. They tax us. They tax our water. You can't even do laundry and shower on the same day. While Nancy Pelosi is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars robbing our pockets it's not doing anything for our people, not passing legislation, passing out pens like they're candy. See, and this is the, that sort of activism, which I don't, you know, is so powerful. And it's, it's a big time power of understanding truly what it is on the, 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 the person to person action. And there's a lot of street level um, pastoring going on as well in such a, in, in such a critical time right now that's literally getting in the face. I had to pause for a minute. My cows also all of a sudden went to a stampede downhill. I don't know what that's about. It means I got to go figure out what they're up to a little bit later. When you have 30 cows running off the hill, suddenly like, oh, I wonder what just happened. We'll find out. <laughs> they look to be good. But who knows? Next thing I know, they'll run through my fences. But anyway, um, 
as we as we start to look at the impact of the impact of the person to person interaction, that is really the greatest change agent we have, and that gets back to the principles of what we're trying to accomplish, which is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and moving that fivefold ministry into the real world. The greater authorities that we take within the body of Christ, the the greater authorities we are taking back in in control of this nation and this land that God gave us to steward. And it's super important. And it's building the bridges that we need to build. And it's stepping outside of, of the walls of the church and taking it into the street, taking it into the people, taking it into the place where we need to and leading and not waiting for someone else to do it for us. We're also not sitting quietly in a pew just being told what to do. Instead, we're taking that love in, in our country, our loving God into the world. And that's at the heart of everything. And it's powerful. So this is a a really important time for all of us to reflect and to to go there and to continue to push that window. And as I've said so many times, action doesn't have to be the Pete Chambers level of action where you're mobilizing hundreds of guys on the, that's his calling. Action doesn't have to be building a platform that has 45 million downloads or a Steve Bannon or, or a Tucker Carlson. In the end, in the heart, it's where God puts you and wherever that calling is. And if that's baking cookies to your neighbors and getting to know them on a personal level, if that's doing something, this was an outreach program that the Church of Glad Tidings did, which was incredible. They literally had single mothers that were getting financially broken by the cost of repairing cars. So the Church of Glad Tidings, and I think they still do this, got in front of the congregation and Dave Bryant stood up there and said, we have single mothers that need cars repaired. And one of the guys raised his hand. He goes, I'm a mechanic. I can give a Saturday to repairing cars. And another guy raised his hand and says, I've got a garage, a mechanic's garage you can use every Saturday. And they turned that into an action program to where single moms that were having to do a job and pay all the bills for their cars, which were breaking their finances, could now go to have their cars repaired for free at the church's expense. That's powerful action. And that's guys and, and communities using their gifts and talents to raise up and literally do something impactive that changes people's lives. And in the end, to quote Teddy, if you didn't see, that's a great interview last night, which we'll post, and I apologize, I didn't post it last night, and it'll post after the show today. But the Expedition Cafe show last night was with Bear Armad, aka, or Teddy, aka Bear. His comment, which just is on point, is everything that we do we need to glorify God. So if we are working in that place that everything we're doing is glorifying God, these fools that are trying to run this country have got nothing, bottom line, nothing. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So there you go. Not hard to change the world, just takes dedication. And in spite of all the fear porn that's out there, they're trying to bury into us. Don't let it get to you. Step back, take a breath, smile, have a little bit of laughter, take some time in the word, and we're off to the races, literally. All right, patriots, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this blessed night or blessed day that we have here in the starting of the day in a fellowship and a worship of just honoring you and all that we do. Father, we're just blessed with the opportunities that are coming before us to lift us up, to continue pushing us forward into new levels and to continually seeking the expansion of the body of Christ. In the end of the day, if we can always remember and pray that this is, and this is part of our prayer this morning, to keep our eyes on Jesus in all things, to weather this storm, no matter how difficult it is, by anchoring ourselves more deeply in the word and keeping our discernment forward with the filter 
of the, the, the gifts and talents and the words and authorities that Christ gave us. And through that walk, be able to impact our communities, impact our world in such positive ways. This is a one-on-one action. And if there's anything that we learn, Father, through that walk and in Jesus' walk here, it became a one-on-one interaction. While he spoke to the masses and he sowed many seeds, it came down to the small groups of people that he spoke with, impacted, and, and discipled to raise up a mighty army and over time. And that's the true sense of change. So, Father, we just ask that people are empowered with that sense of with authority to speak into the hearts of the many, to use every moment that we have, whether it's shopping at a store, filling up your car with gas, gardening and seeing your neighbor across the fence, whatever that is, to take that moment to hear your voice, to hear the power of Holy Spirit, and to speak life into other people, to lift them up, to raise them up, to pray with them, to give them that confidence of knowing that there's somebody near them that has the strength to stand with them. And that's the big thing, is that people become so isolated and disconnected that they often feel alone and they shrink. And rather than knowing that you're not alone, just turn to Christ. We're there to love you, to raise you up, to lift you up, and to give them the the power and authority that's within them that just needs to be awakened through that love in Jesus. So, Father, we just pray this day begins a great week with that with that view, that focus, as we step into these into our authorities in this world. We thank you for all that's given. We thank you for the blessings that continue to pour down upon Bard's nation. We say all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple last things here before we go. Um, Pete Santilli's interview's on tonight. Two-hour block interview. Fantastic. We tried to play it Friday night. Didn't work. It will play tonight. We give some great updates tonight on the Mandolin Farms and the Bard's nation purchase. That's going to have the full updates completed by the end of today on the Give, Send, Go site. And we'll be off to the races to move to the next level. All that set aside, have a blessed day. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight. For Bards FM, until then or until the next time. God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. 
securely the opening vistas of space, promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 